Welcome to the Echo Podcast. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Prepare your heart for a word that will impact your mind and spirit. I know it's weird for us to skip a week in the middle of a, like in spring break, right in the middle of a series and stuff. That's a little bit weird. So let me catch you up what week one was about. Let me catch you up. In one week one, we talked about the beach. How many of y'all went to Classy Crystal last week? <laughs> yeah. Destin. Anybody go to Destin? Nobody? Gage, who played drums tonight, he actually went to Miami. Anybody go farther than Miami? Yeah. Miami, right? Next week, I'm going to L.A., though. Damn, I'm going to get on the beach in L.A. It's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. Um, I, I, you know, at the beach, you see waves, and then some of them look huge, and some of them look not so much, right? Some of them look ginormous. All of that, all of these waves that are coming in, the ones that come in and crash the shore, the, come, the ones that stop, they're all being controlled by what? Who said that? The undercurrent. The undercurrent. They're being controlled by the undercurrent. The undercurrent is a strong current of water that rests under the waves on the floor of the ocean, and it literally controls how much when the water can come up on the shore and when it cannot. It pulls the water back into the ocean. If you've ever seen what happens when the overcurrent takes over the undercurrent, it looks kind of like this right here. Throw that first picture up there for me, Taylor. It looks kind of like this. Looks kind of like this. It looks like a tsunami. It's a tsunami. Now, this is a made-up picture right here. This is a made-up picture. This is Photoshop. Um, I didn't Photoshop it, but thank God for Google. Um, but here's the thing. There was a real-life tsunami in Alaska that was 1,700 feet tall. 17, in fact, throw that next picture up. This right here, actually, this, this little valley was a mountain before the tsunami hit that. And the tsunami hit it 1,700 feet tall. If you're wondering how tall that is, it, it washed all of this, this land out. If you're wondering how tall it is, throw that next, next picture up there. These are the tallest buildings in the world. The Burj Khalifa is the only building that's taller than what that tsunami was. Can you imagine? Taller than the, the Empire State Building, taller than the Trump Tower, ta taller than any building that we have in America. This tsunami was only allowed because the undercurrent was not strong enough to stop the overcurrent, right? The undercurrent was not strong enough. Normally, when a large wave comes and hits the beach, I told you guys about being in Hawaii a couple, couple of weeks ago, 15 to 20 foot waves, it's nothing compared to that tsunami. But they would come and they would stop. Why? Because the undercurrent was strong enough to pull the water back into the ocean. Back into the ocean. In your life and in my life, your spiritual undercurrent will always determine your spiritual overcurrent. Your spiritual undercurrent will always determine your spiritual overcurrent. Having the Spirit drive us and move us is having a strong undercurrent. It's something that, it's something that fuels us. It's something that directs us. 
something that directs us. He gives us balance. We can be in the world, but not of it. We can have the overcurrent in our life, but the strong undercurrent keeps us balanced. It's part of being in the world, but not of it. So today I'm going to turn it a little bit, okay? And I've got, okay, I got 25 minutes. I'm going to turn it a little bit, okay? I'm going to turn it, and I'm going to set it up like this. Let me set it up like this. This moment in your life, it may have not come yet, but some of you it already has. This moment in your life was a moment in which you dreaded, like you lost sleep because of it. When it came, you were nervous. You were probably shaking a little bit. You made sure to say, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. But in the moment it began, it, it was different than you ever thought it would have been. What do you think I'm talking about? Your driving test. Your driving test. In fact, some of you might have ended up your driving test like this lady right here. Give me some sound. Give me some sound. That poor lady. She failed that driving test in seven seconds. That is talent. That was in Korea. That was in Korea. This lady failed her driving test just that quick. But y'all don't act like your driving test. Jerry, don't you act like you weren't nervous about your driving test. You were nervous about your driving test, weren't you? Yeah, you sat down in that seat, and you turned that key over, and you were nervous. You started shaking a little bit, and you were scared to hit that gas pedal because you're about to be old like Raymond Noodle lady. You, you would freak out. You know what I'm saying? Oh, Raymond Noodles, right? I would have freaked out, too. I would have freaked out, too. I was scared when I did my driving test. I turned around backwards. I, I was really, really not good, but thank God for grace that, that I passed my driving test. I passed my driving test. Was anybody, would anybody be willing to be honest and say you were fearful during your driving test? Okay, thank you. I just want to make sure I got some people in the house that are going to preach with me. Okay? Fearful. I was fearful. Tonight I want to talk to you a little bit about fear. I want to talk to you a little bit about fear. We all have this balance in us. It's something that sits on our spiritual shoulders. It's something that weighs us. It's a balance of faith versus fear. If you're taking notes in your Echo Journal tonight, I would love for you to do that. Please do that. I've got some good stuff you're going to want to write down tonight. Faith versus fear. Here's the deal. is Having an undercurrent of faith helps battle the overcurrent of fear in our life. It battles the overcurrent of fear. Because here's the deal, faith is the opposite of fear. Faith is the complete opposite of fear. And here's how I'm going to illustrate this to you. There are two statements that I want you to write down, two key statements, they're going to put them on the screen, that represent the true meanings of these two words. The true meanings of these two words. Fear says, I don't think I can do it. I don't think I can do it. But faith says, I believe Jesus can do it. I believe Jesus can do it. These two statements place the importance on two totally different things. The first statement is that I can't. It's all about the I. The me is the equation. 
I can tell you this, the problem is, is actually in the statements. When our faith journey becomes all about I, we've failed. If you serving Christ is all about you receiving, we've failed. If me serving Christ is all about how good God is to me, and I don't reciprocate that by being good for others and to others, I've failed in my faith journey. Your faith journey is not all just about you. It's not about you. If I place the onus, the strength, all on me, only relying on the strength and the wisdom and the smarts and the talent of Michael, if I fail, not if, when I fail, it's over, right? If you place the onus only on yourself and your life, when you fail, because every one of us have failure moments. I don't care if you're the smartest person in the room. I know I'm not that guy. We all have moments of failure. But if we place the onus on us, that statement, I don't think I can do it, is always going to apply to us. Because eventually we're going to fall. Eventually we're going to fall. But the second statement turns it. Faith says that I believe in Jesus, that he's big enough to do it. I believe that Jesus is big enough to do it. Having faith in Jesus takes all of the importance off of me and my strength and puts it on Jesus and his strength. It takes the importance off of me being strong enough, off of me being smart enough, off of me being talented enough, off of me having all of my stuff together to placing the importance on relying on the strength of Jesus because that's really how I get through the day anyhow, right? These two statements say opposite things. It's so important, guys, that we don't let fear run our lives. Run. It's the overcurrent of fear. If the overcurrent of fear takes over the undercurrent of faith, what happens is we start missing out on some of the greatest opportunities that God puts right in front of us. We start missing out on opportunities that God puts right in front of us because we're too scared to walk through those doors. Have you ever been watching a scary movie before? And they're like, they're in the hallway, and then they, they, they walk up to the, the door, you know what I'm talking about? They walk up to the door, and you just knew it was going to happen. You knew it was going to happen. I was like, it's always got to be white people too. White people mess that up. We mess that up. We are not good at it. We, we mess. We walk up to that door, and we're going to open the door every time. We're not going to double check. We're just, we're going to open the door, and it's going to be something crazy happen, right? It's going to be something crazy. Right? What I'm telling you tonight is that in your life, you can't be scared to open the door. You can't be scared to open the door. You got to be willing to walk through it. We walk by what? Faith. The Word doesn't say we walk by fear. Because if I walk by fear, I'm going to be paranoid about everything. I'm going to be paranoid about every, every government decision that's ever made. I'm going to be paranoid about everything that everybody says about me. Imagine, imagine if you spoke in front of a, a, about 200 people a week between everybody that I speak to. Imagine if you spoke in front of 200 people a week. Do you think they all say nice things about me? Thank you, Tom. I appreciate that, dude. That's what I'm talking about. That's my boy right there. No, people don't always say nice things about me. 
They talk about me. It's okay. And in fact, if you speak at a junior high school, they'll talk about you in front of you. Shelby, am I right? They will just straight tell you. They just no shame in that game. They just walk right up to you and tell you, right? But what would happen if I operated only off of what people might have said that might have been negative to me? I would operate my ministry out of a shoebox because I'd be so scared of somebody saying something mean about me, somebody saying something negative on, on social media about me. Y'all don't care about that stuff, guys. I can't. I can't. The gospel's bigger than that. The gospel's bigger than that in your life. You can't live your life in a, in, in a fear box about what somebody's going to say about you, about what somebody's going to do to you. Stop living your life in the fear box and get out of it and jump in the faith stream, the faith undercurrent, and begin to let God do something great in your life. You know, it reminds me of a, a, a story in Mark 10, and we're going to walk through this. We're going to walk through this. i got to move. i got to move. Um, <clears throat> in this story, Jesus had just taught a ton of people about serving each other. <coughs> Excuse me. In fact, that was when he said that the Son of Man came to serve and not to be served, right? This is what happened next. This is directly after. It's crazy. Directly after. Mark 10, verse 46. says, Then they reached Jericho, and, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large crowd followed him, a blind beggar named Bartimaeus. We know this this. Bartimaeus was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus, was, Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. Now, I don't have very much of a voice to shout, so I, you get rescued from that tonight. But he shouted, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. I got a few key points that I want you to write down throughout the story. I want you to write it down. If the undercurrent of your faith is going to be strong, you have to do these four things. Four things. Undercurrent of faith is going to be strong. You've got to do four things. The first thing you've got to do is you've got to face your fears. You've got to face them. You've got to look them directly in the eye. Fear has an incredibly, uh, incredible ability to paralyze your potential. Paralyze your potential to keep you from launching out and to keep us from having faith in our lives. You know, I remember in Bible college, um, my first time, I got to preach every now and then, and uh, I, I would preach every now and then, but I wouldn't preach like I did, like I do now, like I'm twice a week most of the time, and, and speaking all the time, but I would speak like once a month, right? And, uh, and so I remember my first time, y'all, that I got a call to preach a revival, like just me. And just me. And I got a call, and I have one of those old Nokia brick phones. You know what I'm talking about? The ones you're like, boom, 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 beep, beep, beep. All right? They call me, and they're, they're talking about, Michael, I want you to come and preach this revival for me. And I turned the phone away. I said, y'all ain't heard me preach before, have you? Y'all ain't heard me. I was so nervous. Y'all don't even understand. Preparing for that revival, I was preaching Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. It was, um, I, was, I was getting ready. I was putting my heart into it. And you know what? I got up there to Durant, Mississippi, and you know how many, I, you know, I, I showed up? There were six people there. Six. Four of them were family. <laughs> right? Bro, let me tell you, there were six people there, but to me there was like 6,000. I got up there and I was so nervous. I'd hold the microphone, and y'all ever hold a microphone and been nervous before? You start beating yourself up with a microphone, you know, bam, 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 bam. I was bruising my chin. I, it was a bad deal, y'all. 
bad deal. I started, Kevin, you've been there before, hadn't you? We've been there. We've been there. I was holding it, and I was, I was preaching. Man, I preached my guts out Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and we had great moves of God. But I was so fearful because I didn't want to mess up. I left, I left, and, and, and <laughs> so what happens with an evangelist comes in, they take an offering, right? Well, they took a love offering for me as an evangelist, and with six people, my love offering was like $3 bills and a couple of dollars in change. That was my gas money to get home, right? I remember being so fearful to mess that thing up. I almost told them, no, I'm not coming to preach that revival. I almost told him, no, I'm not coming. But that weekend, I had to face my fear. I had to face my fear because I knew that at the end of the day, it was part of God's plan for me. It was part of God's plan for me. You know, when we choose fear over faith, what happens is it makes us skeptical of everything else around us. It makes us skeptical. We're afraid to try anything new when we're afraid. It makes us selfish. We're afraid to commit to God. We're afraid to commit other, to other people in relationships, friendships. When fear overtakes faith, trust erodes, not just with God, but with everybody else around you. It's easier to trust in people around you when your faith is strong. Our fears make us short-sighted. We focus on the past and not on the future. We begin to focus on what people did to us and not what God has for us in the future. Young people, let me encourage you. Don't live your life off of what somebody else did to somebody else. Don't live in fear of but somebody doing to you what somebody did to somebody else. Don't live your life off of that. You've got to live in faith that God orders your steps. The Word says that He orders the steps of a righteous man. Amen? He orders the steps of a righteous man. Sometimes, well, you know what it takes, young people? It takes standing up in your spirit, staring fear directly in the eye. Say, I'm taking you on, Jack. You're not going to win today. You're not going to win today. A couple of years ago, we went to Youth Congress. Went to Youth Congress. Y'all remember that trip? How many of y'all were on that trip? Now, a couple of y'all had a ridiculous idea that you thought you were going to get me on a ridiculous roller coaster that went ridiculously fast and went ridiculously upside down. Y'all were just ridiculous enough to get me on that roller coaster. I want to be an example to you today. I faced my fear, Jack. I did it for you. Because I want you to look at me and know he faces his fears. I can face my fears. I thought I was going to die that day. Paige, Macy, I was with you. I thought we were going to die together right there. That was it. That was it. I thought it was in. Face your fears. What is, the, what is the thing that's stopping you from doing what, you, what God wants you to do? What is the thing that, senior in high school, junior in high school, college student, what is the thing that right now is stopping you from doing what God called you to do? To make the move that God called you to make. To let go of some of the friendships that you used to. Or to add on some friendships that God has called you to. To add on. Luke 1 and 74 says, We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear. God rescued you, not Matthew, not because you're good, 
but so you could serve God without fear, not worrying about the future, not worrying about it. Serve God without fear. Let faith rule your spirit. Amen? You know, <clears throat> the second thing that I, that I found in this story, second key statement that I want you to do is number two, I want you to talk louder than your fears. Anybody know anybody in this room? Well, it don't even have to be in this room. We won't do that. Anybody know anybody that if you walk into the room, they just keep talking louder until they're the loudest voice heard in the room? Y'all don't point at people. That's rude. Don't point at people. Don't do that. That's rude. Right? Don't do that. We all know that person. We all know that person. They're going to talk the loudest until they are the one that's heard. Verse 48, check this out. Many of the people yelled at him, what? Be quiet. Notice how the people that always want to hurt, be heard, tell everybody else to be quiet. Right? Tell everybody else to be quiet. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. Here's the, tr here's the truth, young person. Your fears talk. Your fears scream. Your fears scream like a two-year-old toddler that wants ice cream at bedtime. Not that I'm saying that from experience or anything. Your fears scream at you. These fears do that to you and I. And, and look what happened to blind Bartimaeus when he shouted out to Jesus. Everyone turned to him and said, don't do that. Be quiet. Don't make a scene. Surely Jesus isn't interested in you, Bartimaeus. He's got more important things to do. You know what happens is the enemy comes and whispers things like that in our ears. You're not good enough, the enemy says. When that opportunity for faith comes into our heart, thoughts like, God surely wouldn't be interested in you, or, or don't make a scene, or what would people think of you, or, you know, these, these statements the enemy whispers into our ears. We preached a, a message, uh, uh, actually a series three years ago called The Voice, about the voice you listen to will determine the future that you experience. And it's still true today as it was three years ago, is that if you listen to the enemy speak little statements of fear, what happens is you directly, you follow those statements of fear and it leads you down a bunny trail of fear and enemy, the enemy leads you down and you fall into dangerous territory and all of a sudden you walk away and you're far away from faith all because you've listened to the enemy when it comes and he comes and he says shh shh Jesse I know you're going to talk about your faith at school but shh 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 shh, shh. I know God's called you to ministry but shh I, I know, I, I know, I, I know, I know, I know things are going on, but, but shh, don't, no, 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 no. What I'm looking for today is that for some young people that would be willing to talk louder than your fears. When the fears look at you directly in the eye and says, you're no good, you've got nothing going for you, you stand up. You broaden your shoulders and you look at the enemy in the eye. You look at the source of those fears. The source of the fears is not God. God is not the author of confusion. He's not trying to confuse you. God is not the author of that fear in your heart. You stand up and look at the enemy and say, I am not scared of what you have. I live in faith. I will not be quiet. I want to challenge you, young person. Rock that boat. Live that life of faith. Do something that nobody said you could do.
You're looking at a, at, a, at a man that was a bus kid that nobody ever thought could be in ministry. I got blamed for stuff at the church when I, because I was a bus kid. You're looking at a man that just wanted to serve God and had the opportunity that nobody thought I could do. You're looking at a man that was thrown aside, that was said nobody, that nobody believed in me except for my dad. But my dad got in and it said, Michael, I believe in you. You don't speak. You don't listen to what they say. You, you follow that faith journey that Jesus has for you. I believe that I'm looking at some young people that have that same in them. God has some of that same stuff in you. Maybe you're not called to a full-time ministry, but you know what you are called to? What God has called you to? Don't walk in that in fear. Walk in that in faith. Walk in that in faith. And th th when the enemy comes and drops little nuggets of fear on your heart, stand up to it and say, I operate in Jesus' name. I don't operate in fear's name. I operate in Jesus' name because my undercurrent is filled with faith. If you want your undercurrent filled with faith, right now I want you to stand up on your feet and let's just give Jesus about 30 seconds of praise on your own. Come on, young people. Jesus, I love you. I love you, Jesus. Sit down. Blind Bartimaeus was told, be quiet. But you know what he did? The next part of the scripture says, but he only shouted louder. Son of David, have mercy on me. When those fears look you in the eye, Macy, you look at those fears back. And have mercy on me, Jesus. Have mercy on me. The third thing, I've got to hurry. The third thing that we've got to do is that we've got to depend on him completely. <clears throat> but God is asking you to do something greater than you've ever done before. He's asking you to depend on him completely. Don't you think that's going to feel a little bit scary? Of course it is. But when God asks something of us, we have a choice. Are we going to fall back on our old fear and stay the way we are? Or are we going to tame our fear and step forward in faith? Let me ask you this. When was the last time, young person, college student, young adult, staff member, when was the last time that you asked God to do something so big in your life? that if it happened, you knew it could only be God. When was the last time that you asked him for something so big, when you asked him to do something so big in your life that when it happened, you know that it only could have been Jesus? This is exactly where Bartimaeus was. He was crying out to Jesus, desperate. I had to get Jesus' attention. In verse 49, when Jesus heard him, he stopped. Jesus has an ear for your voice. He stopped and said, tell him to come here. <clears throat> so they called the blind man, cheer up. They said, come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up, and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. 
my rabbi. Notice that he said my. My rabbi, Jesus, you're mine. The blind man said, I want to see. Can you imagine the passion that must have been in his voice? Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. So many students in, in this room tonight have been struggling with, why can't I get over this fear that I'm dealing with, that I cry every night when I go to sleep, this anxiety, this depression. I'm not sure what to do with my future. Have you tried really leaning into Jesus fully, holding nothing back, no plan B, no plan B, but literally diving in with nothing left, praying for God to do big things, not just the easy things. That leads us to our fourth and final note, pray big prayers. You want God to answer you? Pray a big prayer in desperation. We don't have to beg to Jesus, but all we have to do is petition Jesus with an humble and desperate heart that says, yes, I need you. I need you in my life. Isaiah 29, I'm closing, why don't y'all stand? <clears throat> Isaiah 29, is talking about Jerusalem. And they're in a spot where they're doing uh, and operating how a lot of us are thinking. I think I can make it on my own. Not feeding the undercurrent of faith. But they're receiving encouragement. That word encourage literally means to put courage in. Encouragement. Encouragement. Check this out. Isaiah 29 and 16 says, How foolish can you be? He is the potter, <clears throat> and he is certainly greater than you, the clay. Should the created thing say of the one who made it, He didn't make me. Does a jar ever say the potter who made us is stupid? In your life and in my life, Jesus is our potter. He's molding and, and shaping this life of ours. The cool thing is, is that every pot coming off of this wheel is unique. Different successes, different failures but all of us are built on the same foundation. Our faith. You know, <clears throat> this undercurrent, this undercurrent, it's something that in your, right now, right up in the middle of your world, Jerry talked about star test, and or, the star test and, and what you guys are coming up on midterms, finals, and all, all the summer plans. Some of you are seniors and you face what are you going to do? What's next? Young person, don't make that decision based off of fear. Shelby, nobody knows about your situation, but right now in your situation, don't you operate by that fear. 
you allow Jesus to move in that and you operate by faith, God is going to move that door. I prayed for you this week. You operate by faith. God knows what he's doing. He knows right where you're at. He knows right where you are. Guys, right where we are in the middle of our journey, right in the middle of your journey, Jesus, if all we do is humbly bow before him and say, God, I'm struggling with this fear. I've got fear. Jesus, I need you to remove the fear. I have faith that you are big enough to take that fear. I have faith that you're big enough. This big God comes and he takes the fear away. Remember these two statements that we said. Fear says that I, I can't do it. But my faith in Jesus, Matthew, says that I believe Jesus is big enough. I serve a God that's big enough. Bailey, in your life, I believe God is big enough. Every one of you in here, I believe God is big enough. Make sure you feed that undercurrent of faith. Feed that undercurrent of faith. Don't let the enemy drop that fear in you. Don't let the enemy come in and drop that box. Feed your faith. Pray big prayers. Does anybody believe that God has something big for your life? Do you believe that? I want you to do some soul searching this week. I want you to do some soul searching. Pray a big prayer in your life. And have faith. Not fear. That's something God is going to happen. God's stuff. I believe it's going to happen in Jesus' name. Amen? Let me pray over you before we dismiss tonight. Jesus, I love you. God, I thank you for the opportunity to, to preach tonight to these awesome young people and these young adults and adults. God, I pray that you would, tonight you would, <clears throat> God, if there any student in this room is faced with fear, I speak to that fear as you spoke to that blindness and, and blind Bartimaeus. As you spoke to Bartimaeus and you said, you are healed because of your faith. Tonight, these students, we come before you having faith that you are big enough and you are strong enough. We're feeding our undercurrent of faith that Jesus, I believe that you're big enough to remove.